0: Welcome to I Hope. We're here to bring encouragement and comfort from the Bible so that you can have a more hope-filled life. We are so glad you joined us here today, and we invite you to embark on this journey of discovery of the power of God's Word and how it can shape our lives each day. So listen in and join us as we explore how the Bible can provide hope and direction in our lives welcome back to i hope glad you joined us this week and i am uh, joined with pastor charlie again hey guys. and uh, we're gonna be continuing our study of the book of acts and uh, excited about this week it's probably one of my favorite stories uh, of the bible ones that i love to to think about to to preach and uh, uh, just a huge encouragement to me but we're gonna be in acts chapter 9 with a conversion of saul uh, to paul and i'm gonna give you a little bit of context Uh, before we jump into this. But uh, we're going to be looking into the idea of who are we to say? Who are we to say? And uh, I think that's going to connect some dots later on. But I want you to be thinking about that question uh, with a context of people being changed by the gospel. Who are we to say? But in Acts chapter 9, as we start, it says in verse 1, "And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues. And if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. As we look at these verses, we, we we recognize that Saul was an enemy to the church, or the enemy to the gospel. Ultimately, an enemy to Christ. Uh, the very first verse, it says that he breathed out threatenings and slaughters against disciples. Uh, he had the power and uh, he had the position to go and to um, take. Christians and believers of, of, of Christ, the true gospel, and uh, to bind them, put them into prison, put them on trial, ultimately being put to death. And uh, he was on the road to Damascus trying to get more letters that would, we could say, extend his territory, his power to be able to do these things. Um, ultimately, he had, a, I think he had a, a hard passion and zeal that was against Uh, the Savior. And and we see that Jesus had a different plan. Uh, Saul's plan was to to kill more Christians, to bound more Christians, but Jesus said, hey, I have something different. I want to take your passion and zeal that is uh, very, very strong and I want to turn it into a different place and that's for me and for the gospel. And what we see is Jesus, uh, he encountered Jesus and it's amazing what happens when somebody that could be so wicked, so evil, so vile... Uh, what could happen when his life is changed forever. And uh, Jesus comes and confronts him, shows him truth, shows him some harsh truth, but with a lot of love. And uh, Saul is now on not a road to Damascus, but now to a a road of of a life changed forever. But he got, uh, Jesus tells him to go to a place uh, in Damascus to see the uh, disciple Ananias. And, and uh, Charlie, would you be able to share a little bit of context and, and uh, kind of continue the story there as he travels to Ananias?
1: Yeah, so as you know, he gets knocked off his uh, horse or whatever, and then he falls, he meets Jesus, and then he's blind at that point. It says, and Saul saw no man um, after he had seen Jesus, which is a contrast from the other travelers who were with him who did not see Jesus, but they heard a voice. So Saul has this vision, Uh, he gets back up, he's blind, and then his friends led him by the hand to Damascus, that meant that he couldn't see his way, and um, he was three days without sight, and he didn't eat or drink anything for three days. So at this point, God is like keeping him alive, honestly, and he's having a rough time of it. Then there's a certain disciple at Damascus, now this would be a disciple of Jesus, named Ananias, not Ananias and Sapphira, this is a different guy. And to him said the Lord in a a vision, Ananias. So he calls his name, says, Behold, um, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. So go ask for this guy. For behold, he prays and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So God gives him these instructions, but then watch what Ananias answers and says, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, I've heard about this guy, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. He didn't He didn't explain himself. He didn't answer Ananias' concerns. He said, Go your way and do what I've asked you to do. Here's why. For he is a chosen vessel unto me. Hmm. Who are you, Ananias'? to say that he's not what I'm saying he is. To bear my name, he says, uh, before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer from my name's sake. And, of course, Ananias goes his way. He finds Saul. He puts his hands on him. And you know the story. Saul, his eyes are opened. It seems like scales fall off of his eyes, like maybe cataracts. Um, and when he had received meat, so he Saul eats some things and he was strengthened. Um and he was there for certain days or some time there at Damascus,
0: yeah, and as we look at this um uh, I, this is just a random thought, but i uh you know the the later in the Paul's writing or Paul's writings he talks about his eyesight being mm. being harmed and uh how even in galatian in, in the book of Galatians he says that they would they would want to pluck out their own eyes to give to him. I wonder if. This is just a reminder of, of the moments he, his life was changed that 's just a side thought. but but yeah. um, I wonder if that was the start of his ailment of his eyes and because there was uh, accounts where he would have to uh, he had other people write just because he wanted yeah. to be able to see it um, I never know I, I never thought of that that's just something interesting that as you were reading that but, something that popped into my head too um, why do you kick against the pricks
1: that's the question that Jesus asked so yeah, yeah. why are you continually kicking against what you know to be true because it hurts mm-hmm. And the next verse that we're going to talk about, um, I don't want to steal your thunder. We'll, we'll get there in just a second. But why are you kicking against the pricks? What does that mean? Um, why are you rejecting the gospel that you know to be true? Yeah, yeah. Because we were talking earlier, and you mentioned as you arrest Christians, you're you're probably being witnessed to. Oh yeah. You're hearing the story. You, if you're Paul, then you're an adult male, a year a few years maybe after Jesus has been crucified and risen again, you've maybe even taken into captivity some of those who've seen Jesus. And yet, you're still not believing, Paul. How about this? If you're at the rank as a um, Pharisee in order to be arresting Christians across all of Christendom, you're probably high up, which means that you probably also even met Jesus. Paul very well may have known Jesus on earth, may have even been there at the crucifixion. We don't know. He's not mentioned there, but he certainly knew Jesus and he certainly would have known about Jesus and what he thought were lies that Jesus was saying, but what ended up to be true. So now Jesus is truth to Paul. Why are you kicking against the pricks of this truth that you
0: know to be true? Why are you ignoring it? Yeah, and so it's almost... Like he was exposed to the gospel, whether that was through the uh, through actually seeing Jesus in person or mm-hmm. exposed to that through his own studies of God's word as a Pharisee, now everything connects, and now he's all in. And we see that in verse um, twenty, it says, "In straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue." So he now recovers; he has meat, he he, he gets his eyesight back. It's two or three days, and then now he's like, "I'm going to go preach." The same passion and and the zeal they had to persecute Christians is now the same passion to go and proclaim yeah. Christ and the ver- verse one was uh, it says that he was breathing out threatenings, breathing out slaughters now he's breathing out the gospel breathing out mm-hmm. hope and that's such an awesome. Uh, transformation and and that's what the gospel is. Jesus Christ, uh, he 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 takes the old and makes it into new. He takes beauty from the ashes. And uh, in, the, in scripture it says that uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new again. All things, all things, uh, person, it, it, the, who they are, their being, their past desires, all things are new. they his old desires are now new desires. I think of that the, the verse delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Saul's desires was to kill Christians, but now he's delighting the Lord. His desire is to make more Christians. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's so exciting, but here's the sad thing. We're, we're, I'm over here excited about Saul but now I'm going to get disgusted by Christians. (laughs) I'm excited about the apostle Paul and his passion for the word of God and and for truth and for, for the gospel. But look what happens in verse 21, It says, but all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this? He that destroyed them, which called on his name uh, on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for their, that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in, at Damascus, proving that this very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. Th- their ultimate goal was not, wow, the gospel changed this man's life. Let's celebrate. Let's bring him in. Let's, let's support him. It was, who, who, do you th- who do you think he is? What's his motive? We need to get rid of him. Let's Mm -hmm. kill him. And that's such a sad, sad reality um, that they had uh, that they are now, they're not accepting him as a believer of Christ, but still view him as an enemy, even though the gospel changed. The
1: Christians don't accept him. The Judaizers don't accept him. He is completely rejected by everybody who calls on the same God. Yeah. Which means we yet again come up to the question, who are we?
0: Yeah. Who are we to save? It looks like in this life, or in this passage, we see that they had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. They thought they were the judge. They thought they were the gatekeepers. They thought they were the ones that were trying to keep the church pure and righteous and protected. They thought they could be the ones to say who saved, not saved, who the gospel and change, not change. But as Christians, we sh- we need to understand that if we truly believe the gospel is a life changing gospel, it will change our perspective on a lot of things.
1: I think our stubbornness has to go away. Whenever we believe that God can do the same thing for eternity as He does in the short term, we we talk about a life changing gospel. Life changing is not just eternal life changing; it's physical life changing. Mm-hmm. And we talked last week about meeting people's physical needs in order to help meet their spiritual needs. You have to give them what they want before you can give them what they need yeah. um, thing like the the dog and the ham. Um, There's a, a boy who had a dog the dog was getting sick he had uh, he had like ticks on him. And so he went to his grandmother, and he was scared that he was g- going to disappoint his dad. Because you know, like every dad, whenever you get an animal, they're like, you have to take care of yeah, him, you have yep. to feed him. <laughs> and then it ends up being dad's dog, but whatever. So he didn't want to disappoint his dad. So he goes to his grandma, how do I get rid of these ticks? And she says, well, put some, give him some garlic. And then the ticks don't like the flavor of garlic, so they'll unbury themselves from the dog, and they'll run away. So the boy... Goes to the dog, and the dog completely snubs a clove of garlic. And, well, w- what's happening? Grandma just lied to me. So he goes back to Grandma, and, Grandma, what what's happening? How do I actually get the dog to eat the garlic? And Grandma kind of laughs. and She's like, did you just give the dog garlic by itself? <laughs> and the boy's like, well, yeah, that's what you told me to do. And she says, no, you have to put the garlic, wrap it up in some ham, and then give it to the dog. Yeah. You have to give people what they want before you can give them what they need. And you have to meet physical needs before you can meet spiritual needs. In Paul's case, he had a physical need of sight that started a conversation with Ananias, who did not accept Paul. Who was he to judge? But yet God said, You need to go do this. Ananias did it, Paul gets saved. And guess what? He became immediately, he started his evangelism tour, yeah. which we would learn from Galatians 1.17, would last for three years. Yeah, Stubbornness goes out the door when God enters the door. Like, we can't just say that what God is doing That's is good. not real. Yeah. And so Paul was going around, this time still Saul, he was going around preaching the gospel, preaching Christ, and Christians in this area were just thinking that maybe he was a liar. And in between his growing more powerful and the end of this three years, Paul was there for a long time for for those three years. And after that, many days were fulfilled. So three years' worth of days. The Jews took counsel to kill him. They're getting tired of this. They thought maybe maybe just Paul's playing the long con. Maybe he can get in with the Christians and then really round them all up and get them all to have this big revival, tent revival in Jerusalem. Then we can nail them all. That's not what Paul was doing, though. After three years, the Jews figured out, all right, this is enough. We're going to go ahead and get him. So they think that's going to happen. Their lying await was made known to Saul, so he figures out their conspiracy. Then he gets let down in the bucket, out the wall. And then he runs away down to Jerusalem, which is kind of where our, pic- our story picks up. And we see yet another instance. Now the third time when people are asking, is this really Saul? Yeah. Do we even want to get to trust him?
0: Yeah, and as we look at this in verse 26, you know, you first have Ananias questioning Jesus. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you got the right guy? Then you have uh, the, those that were in the synagogues wanting to kill him. But now we see Saul came, come to Jerusalem. in Verse 26, he ass- uh, assayed to join himself to the disciples. You know, he says, hey, I want to be part of these guys. Like these, 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 this is what they believe the same thing I do. <laughs> yes. This is who I'm supposed to be with. I want to be with the disciples. These are the people that are changing the world. I want to be part of the light. The, the, this, I want to be part of this. So he's like, this is where I should be. But notice what it says, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Again, rejected by the one people that should receive him. Yeah, Rejected by the same people that believed on Christ, that believed the life-changing gospel, but rejected by them. But look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto him how he had seen the Lord in the way that he had spoken to him and how he has preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. I love that one phrase, but Barnabas took him and brought him. You know, that is such a challenge to me to to. to, not be in the party of the other disciples or to be the, in the party of Ananias who doubted the life-changing gospel, but rather said, you know what? If I truly believe the gospel and the gospel defines my worldview and my perspective of people, I'm going to take him in. Yeah. And I'm going to love him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that's going to help him grow in his faith. You know, I think of new believers Um, new believers, they are the ones that need the gospel. They need the support the most. Uh, you know, Satan's going to be on, uh, will be trying to put out their fire, but oftentimes it's not Satan putting out the fire. It's the Christians. Yeah. We're not there to encourage. We're there to judge. We're there to push our own perspectives and opinions of what they should be, um, but rather we should be the ones putting on the logs and blowing life into their flames to be able to to, to, to be encouraged to keep following Christ. Um, and Barnabas was that. Uh, it's such a challenging response from Barnabas. He didn't waste time. He just brought
1: him in. And I think sometimes we like to um, assume because even we know the history of somebody or we know even maybe the direction that they're currently headed, we assume that we know where they will end up, but you're not as smart as God. Yeah. Like you're just not. And so if you feel like maybe, you know where someone's going to end up consult, maybe the one who knows everything and ask yourself, do you, do you really believe the gospel is powerful? Is it life changing or just eternal life changing? Yeah. Who are you? Who are you to ask? Who are we to judge? And when we ask ourselves through that lens, then even the, the everyday conversations that we had. There's a young man who's, um, he was in our Christian school. He got saved. And, um, you know, I think God's matured him in a lot of ways. And I think we've both seen that, um, you know, you being the youth pastor and me being his Bible teacher. And I, I think that God can do mighty things through him. Yeah. He's not coming back to our school next year. And personally, he's had a rough time. Now, he's had a, a rough upbringing for sure. A lot of history there, a lot of things that, um, god probably wasn't the priority with Mm -hmm. so people would assume and i even heard something like this recently people would assume because he's not going to be in christian school because he has had some big things happen in his life well he's probably just going to end up like so and so and he's just going to end up doing this and that who are you yeah what like is it life-changing gospel do you believe that the God who can create the stars and who can hold everything in His hand, the God who can save His eternity, the God who can change you? Do you not believe that He can do the same thing in that young man's life? Do you not believe
0: that God's influence is stronger than this world's influence? Hmm. You know, I think as a youth pastor, sometimes I get caught in, the, caught in that trap too. Of you know, you get take the worldly influences out, take it out, and and it's almost like this. You're afraid, but rather it's like you know you know what would defeat the world's influence is God's influence. Hmm. You know, we put our focus on the negative rather than the positive of, it's God, it's it's the gospel, it's his power, it's his Holy Spirit, it's his working. Um, it, there's a
1: difference between power and influence. Yeah, I think, like, the world has influence, God has power. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be on the team of power, just, yeah. like, you know, I... You can push a ship in a different direction, but if you blow the ship up, it doesn't matter which direction the well, ship's going. Yeah,
0: you look in the scripture; it says, "Death, where is your sting? Yeah, grave, where is your power?" Exactly. Like, where is it? Because you may look like you have power, but it's all fake. It's all it's all, it's a, it's a hypocrite. Uh, God is the one that has true power, and I think Barnabas when he's when he saw Saul, he 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 saw that the power, he saw the change, and he believed in a God that over can overtake any past, any uh, any negative thing that happened in Saul's life that defined who he was, not who he is. Barnabas was able to have the perspective and the lens of the gospel. And I think a lot of times when we're in churches and we need to be careful of this is that we don't put filters over our eyes uh, based on our standards and our expectations, but rather allow the gospel to be our filter, let the gospel be our lens in that we just love people the way Christ has called us to love people.
1: First Thessalonians don't be preferring one another over one another, and we do that. When somebody comes in and they look a certain way to church, Mm -hmm. when they smell a certain way, when they come in um, with a certain hair color or things like that, we just assume... And, and really, that's our problem—is just assumption itself,
0: yeah, but in, ju- in judgment.
1: Yeah, yeah, and all of it's based in what we maybe our experiences. And I'm not saying that our experiences aren't valid, but I am saying that your experience is not God's experience, mm. and that person who very well maybe within their their spiritual liberty with God, we just think that we know what God has for them when we are not the judge and the jury.
0: Aren't Aren't we glad that? God does not judge people the way we judge people. Because then he would look at us and write us off. But yet he didn't. He looked at us with love. Um, He looked at us with compassion. He looked at us with a sacrificial, um, life-changing love towards us. And I'm so glad he doesn't look at us the way we look at people.
1: And on the flip side, he judges more aggressively than we do. Oh yeah. Like I'm pretty sure killing somebody because they touch a wooden box is a little severe, but yet, like we would we'd forgive the yeah. guy for trying to rescue the ark of the covenant falling off the back of a cart. Yeah. But God didn't, mm-hmm. and so we can never judge as mercifully as God does, and we can never judge judge as harshly as God does.
0: Yeah. So like, just let him do his job. And that's why Jesus <laughs> said, "Before you judge another, look at the beam in your eye." Yeah. He says, you know what, let the judging be left to me, and you judge yourself.
1: And that's not to say that we can't recognize good works and sinful works oh, in sure. people's lives. The Bible demands that we do that. It yeah. commands all throughout. In every one of the epistles, you're going to find, go find wrong and mm-hmm. fix it, and then commend what is right. But it also says that there is a point when, when we are just in the way of the gospel, yeah. because we believe it is an eternal life-changing gospel, not a life-changing gospel, and who are we to make
0: that assumption? Our judgment does not define somebody. The gospel does. Our judgment does yeah. not label people. That's good. The gospel does. And uh, I think...
1: Saul's name was Saul, but we know him as Paul because God changed him. Changed his name, yeah. And it's What's just, your name?
0: It's amazing. It's amazing the story of that we find in Acts 9, but also the challenge of... of that that the church at that moment they failed the disciples mm-hmm. in acts chapter 9 they fa- failed but barnabas i don't want to be able to say that the ch- our church and our life that we failed when it comes to accepting people what what's be like barnabas let's let the gospel be our filter let the gospel be our lens that we are the we are the fuel that 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 will that will continue to ignite the fire that's inside of these new believers, new Christians, and uh, and and let's be an encouragement. Let's speak life into them, and yeah. uh, see what God does. What would happen if Barnabas did not bring him in? <laughs> I, I would I, I, like would <laughs> yeah. would would the would the, would the 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 story of the church have changed forever? Hmm. How how long would Paul would have kept on going? He was already there for three or four years. He was already ministering and doing these things, but still being rejected. What Would he have given up eventually? I would, I would love to believe he wouldn't have, but he's human, he's not a savior, he's not perfect. But Barnabas came in, accepted him, and now you look at the testimony, the legacy that Paul has left on the church, uh, as Christianity as a whole, um, writing most of the New Testament, all because of life-changing gospel, but also I believe Barnabas' influence in accepting him. Uh, I hope that this encouraged you to kind of look at your your own life and look at uh, what your perspective is. And uh, I know for myself, looking in the mirror, trying to live a life that has the gospel as my lens and not my mm-hmm. own standards and my own uh, expectations. You know what, God's gonna bless and Barnabas, we look at him, he's written down in the word of God as a man who, who accepted and received and was it a big influence on the story of Paul? And that could be you too, if you decide to say, hey, I want to be more like a Barnabas and to let the gospel be the gospel. And yeah. uh, I, I look forward to continuing to continue to study the book of Acts. And I'm excited for you to join us next week. And uh, we hope that this was an encouragement and challenge to you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you've been encouraged by I Hope, why not share it with a friend or leave us a review. Until next week, God bless.